Magic Mike Show, where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show, tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show, you can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is the Magic Mike Show, episode 434, Mr. Samich. Huzzah! Very nice dramatic entrance there, sir. Uh, hey, we got a fun, uh, fun. We'll see how fun it is come Saturday evening. But we got a fun sequence to talk about. Fairgrounds. We're back at the fairgrounds. Sorry, my hair. Yes, very freshly showered here. Uh, so it's going a little crazy. But uh, yeah, we're going to fairgrounds. The late pick five, 15% takeout. It's the LeCompte. It's the Silver Bullet Day. Preps for the Oaks and the Derby. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. 14 races from fairgrounds. What more could I be excited for? Uh, I'm the days when I used to go to Santa Anita, like for, you know, a couple hours before first post and then stay through to the end. I mean, that was when we had like eight, you know, nine races on the card, sometimes 10. And those were long days. I'm looking at 14 and I'm like, at what point am I taking a nap? Like, is it between like, is it before the Colonel Bradley, like the turf route that probably will get rained off? Like, I, I don't know what to do in this spot, man. Yeah. There, there are eight pick X sequences on this card. Pick fours, pick fives, one pick six, which is a dollar and low takeout and worth playing if you're, if you're covering the card. But yeah, there are eight different sequences to play here. So it just uh, starts at noon. It just doesn't, it's like a music festival for horse racing. It just starts at noon and it doesn't stop. You never know what's going to end. Uh, Michael is in the chat. Curious to see who you guys single. I'm curious to see it too. We uh, very briefly looked at each other's tickets here, but uh, a lot to talk about, a lot to get into. Let's not waste any time, Mike. We'll get right into it. The late pick five at Fairgrounds on Saturday, January 21st. Rise up. Dennis Trusty, hello to you. And Chris Mayello, fun fact. First Magic Mike you ever listened to was LeCompte Day 2020. Jeez, uh, who won that? LeCompte Day 2020. I don't even remember. Do you? I'm going to look it up right now. No, 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 no. It was, I think it was, was like it the nine. Warren? It was the nine. No. No, it wasn't Warren. <laughs> that was, hold on. We're going to find this. We're going to find it, damn it, because now it's been brought up here. Uh, let's see. Mr. Monomoy was in that. Enforceable. Our boy Enforceable. We had him in there. Shasha, shake me up. Um, I still don't know who won that. I don't, it doesn't matter. We're going to talk about the winners for the 2023 version instead. Uh, here we go. First leg of the late pick five at Fairgrounds. Saturday, January 21st, race 10 has 10 maiden Colts and Geldings going a mile and the 16th on the main track. Note that we have a pair. We have a couple of entry here, Fighting Ready and Silver Bull. Neither one of them breaking from the rail. Where'd you go on top? I actually went with the coupled entry on top. I went with the one fight and ready on top here. Uh, I really like the last effort. I kind of threw out the first, which was over a sloppy track at uh, at Churchill Downs. Next one comes back, faces Phileas Fogg, who did it easily on the front end. This horse chased that one home. I thought ran pretty well in that spot. The time came back pretty good. I like the improvement first to second start. I think we can only get better here. So I put the one fight and ready on top. And what I thought was a, a tricky little race here to kick off the sequence. Does that mean that you – well, you have to. You also use the the 1A Silver Bull. Yeah, I don't have right? choice. Yeah, so I'll, I'll take that as a bonus, although probably – I mean, it shouldn't affect it too much. Silver Bull is probably going to – if if alone, Silver Bull would be a pretty big price. But, you know, this is a, a $145,000 son of Mohamed. I don't hate that considering the purchase price. You do get Brian Hernandez up. So uh, it's one of those situations where I would bet the one without the 1A. I would probably get a better price. But in this case, I, I don't hate having the 1A as kind of a backup to the one. 
See, now the problem here, Mike, is that you got you got 10 numbers and you use the one twice. You can't use the one twice. That's the issue here. You got one, nine, three, zero, two. You cannot use the one twice. Follow Mike on Twitter for uh, to get that reference. That I'm was glad that you watched that video because I was cracking up that entire video. I just kept laughing. I mean, I'm just like, oh, man, it's kind of I, I the first joke I put in was that's our tech staff. But then I switched it over to I'd love to see Joy construct a pick five. Uh, go check out uh, at some of them 18 on Twitter. You'll see what he's talking about. A price is right clip. Uh, I did not use either of these horses here. Uh, my top pick is just, well, post number wise is just to their outside and breaking from the rail. The number two Onas at five to one. I think this horse is going to have a ton of speed from the rail. It last time was forced to, you know, set the pace and dual wide in the first, sorry, the last two races, uh, was really wide in, in each of those. Now we're from the rail. I love that we had that bullet best of 88 work going forward for longs and 48 flat over this track last week. So the horses had time to acclimate to fairgrounds after training, uh, you know, at Hawthorne where Ravelli is based. Uh, Ravelli brings Jared Loveberry or gets Jared Loveberry to ride him. Uh, 23% Loveberry and Ravelli. By the way, Larry Ravelli, lifetime 25% win rate. That is that is impressive because the guy's been around a, a couple of turns, we'll just say. Yeah, he, he's and he's pretty consistent. You always see those those low to mid twenties from Ravelli. Uh, this is actually the last horse off my ticket. I, I I think the two needs to go wire to wire here to win. I think there's speed to the outside that's a little bit faster. So kind of has to switch up the trip if he wants to get the job done. Uh, that's why I ended up leaving the two off. But I don't hate to use it all. Uh, you and I went three deep here, and then we did, well, at least in terms of the numbers used, and uh, we each agreed on the other ones. Let's talk about the morning line favorite here, Mobster, three to one. Worried he's going to be over bet, but you know, even down from three to one, but you got to love his bat class. Easily the best in this group. Uh, Banishing is going to be favored in race nine, one before this. Depending on how Banishing does, you could see this horse's odds just completely plummet. And then Gunpilot beat him. Gunpilot came back to be a very nice second to verifying at Oakland Park last week. So, you got to like those. Size and Cassie are very strong uh, connections as well, Mike. Yeah, pretty significant step down in class, if you can even call it that, going from a maiden special weight <laughs> to a maiden special weight. This is by far the easiest field that Mobster's ever faced. Uh, you mentioned you get Sia's aboard and Cassie's so connections are solid. I agree with you. I think this horse probably gets bet down a little bit. Um, but there are quite a few betting interests in here that kind of that could take some money. So I don't think it gets too aggressive. I, I'm expecting somewhere around the 9 to 5, 2 to 1 range from the 3 to 1 morning line. Uh, we also like the three presider here for Cherie DeVoe. And, and for me, my, I don't know about you, but scratch off that last race at Keeneland when he was really, really wide into that first turn. That same stocking trip he had two back. Look out. I mean, he he beat Cyclone Mischief and he caught him late in the stretch. And the horse that, that won that race just came from out of the clouds and, and closed like a monster. Otherwise, presider's not even in this race. So I, that was what really caught my attention here with the three. Yeah, and the setup should be pretty good here, too. I mean, if he's able to get a decent trip sitting sitting off the pace, I, I think Presider can get the job done here. I, you know, I love Sherry DeVoe. She's got this horse in here. Um, and if you look at the riders, so you got Brian Hernandez Jr., then Gabriel Saez, Luis Saez. She clearly thinks highly enough of this horse to make the call to try and get top jocks. Uh, today, you're going to get Javier Castellano, first-time Lasix for this horse as well. So I think Presider can take a decent step forward. And you have a race on the page that is good enough to win it here. And you're getting, uh, what is it, six to one on the morning line here. So... It, it, to me, in what feels like a pretty wide open race, if the eight isn't as good as, as it looks like from those two seconds, I'm willing to take a shot here with a little bit of a price. Neither of us, before we move on real quick, neither of us using the six, Kawawi Dan, 
Kawi, I'm not. I can't speak the uh, the Hawaiian language as beautiful as it is. Steve Asmussen debuting this horse for the Breeder Stone Street. Tyler Gaffleon riding. Uh, tip of the cap to Vinny Blonde, who, by the way, did a full preview and analysis of this race because we think there's a lot of potential Derby Trail horses that could be in here or that come out of this race. Rather, uh, that will be debuting on the YouTube channel as soon as we get off the Magic Mike show. So make sure you stay tuned. If you're watching this live, but Mike, uh, Vinny had a great point. Kawaii Kate, as great as she was uh, in her career racing-wise, really bad as a broodmare so far. A quality road is a good sire. I don't know if he's good enough to overcome all of that. Uh, Ashton also debuting over a mile, one for 27 in the last five years. That's not great, just 4%. So uh, I expect this horse to take some money. Um, and that being said, I have really no interest in the horse. I, I you know, <laughs> Ashton can get him ready, get him ready to go first time out, so you know, this is a spot where I wouldn't be shocked if a Steve Asherson won, but because of the distance, it really makes me want to take a step back here. So I'll, I'll let I'll let Kawhi Dan get one underneath him and see if if he runs well. I'll be interested next time out, specifically because of those stats. But there's just too much in here for me to want to take a first time starter going a mile and a sixteenth. That was a great point right there. There's too much that we like. It's not like these are a bunch of terrible maidens and we're like, well, I'll take a shot with a new shooter. Uh, great point. Mike, let's move on. Second leg of the late pick five at Fairgrounds on Saturday, January 21st. Race 11, the Duncan Kenner Stakes, five and a half furlongs on the turf. It is supposed to rain uh, Saturday evening in New Orleans. So hopefully, you know, even if it's a little bit of a soggy course, uh, they're still able to keep this on the grass because it's Fairgrounds and CDI runs their turf course. It's a miracle they even have a turf course, but the rail is going to be stuck way out at 34 feet. So that means only a field of eight and then three also eligibles. I kind of like that because I'm scared of surveillance and Bango if they make it in here. They're not in right now. Where'd you go on top? <laughs> yeah, I would have my Pelmati and surveillance on the ticket if they made it in here. Bango's an interesting one if we do rain off. You've got a couple horses that probably would prefer this to be on the dirt. Um, so if this does rain off, I still think it's a pretty interesting race. You're probably going to end up with seven or eight here uh, if, if we rain it off. Look, this race is all about Maniwa to me. Either you're playing or you're not. And that's really where you have to start with this. I have no interest in playing Maniwa. I just, I can't there. Uh, right to his outside, uh, Bol or, yeah, Boulder. Uh, for Steve Asmussen, if you take out the one race where he runs a 92 and wins in a state-bred stakes race at Colonial, I have no interest in, in Boulder as well. So for me, I threw the two out. I threw the three out. And it brought me to Evan Singh's, probably the lightest race horse in this field on top. So I put the four at six to one on top here. There's some inconsistency because we saw this horse break the maiden at fairgrounds right here going five furlongs, uh, five and a half furlongs. I'm sorry. Then go to try and stretch out, go to Churchill Downs, run an N1X allowances, takes a break, goes to Saratoga, wins off the bench at five and a half. Then we stretch him out to six and a half, comes back at five and a half. And what I was thought actually a pretty good race last time at Keeneland. Can't quite get the job done, but had to come from all the way back of the pack in a big field from the 10 post, which is not something you want to be trying to do at Keeneland. Now we draw better here on a racetrack that we have a win over. We know we can fire off the off the layoff, won both the maiden debut and the first race off the layoff. I think Evan, can, Evan Singh has a very good setup here as well. The speed horses I'm not in love with, but there's enough of them that that mid-pack move is probably the most dangerous. So I put the four Evan Singh on top. Same for me. Yeah, two for three at the distance. Uh, both, by, uh, both wins came from either a, a layoff or, in the, you know, one on debut. Um, we both used both of the Al Stahl horses here, uh, which is interesting because they're both coming off of uh, decent layoffs here. Al Stahl, not so great at these layoffs. 6% uh, for 34 starts, but 22% in turf sprints with a $5 ROI. Uh, you nailed it with a four, very lightly raced. First start as a four-year-old after pretty much facing exclusively older horses uh, last year. So I like that horse. 
We're getting 10 to 1 on the rail horse Pyron. And this horse, on his good day, can win this race. He uh, he won the Colonel Power, which is going to be the next one after this in, in the series at Fairgrounds. It'll be on Risen Star Stakes Day. Uh, but he won that one from off the pace with Declan Carroll aboard. Uh, has had some inconsistent efforts here. But again, at his best, you know, I think he's able to get the job done here. Yeah, I mean, this is really a question of whether or not you're willing to draw a line through the last four, really, right? I mean, and that's why you're getting 10 to 1. If you are willing to draw a line through that set of races, Pyron should be 4 to 1, 3 to 1 in this spot, somewhere in that range. Um, and if I'm staring at Manny Watt 9 to 5 and Boulder at 9 to 2, I, I would much rather have Pyron than either of them. I think, again, the pace sets up well for what Pyron wants to do here, which is come from the middle back of the pack. We've got a win and a third place over this track career best buyer over this track. Um, so I, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt here. And, and he was facing just might in those two races here as well. And just might very good sprinter would be a heavy favorite in here and probably a single if, if this rate, if he was playing in here at that form. So I'm willing to cross out a couple to get to Pyron here. And hopefully we get all of that 10 to one, which I actually think we will, because that last set of four races is tough for a lot of people to get around. And that's what kind of creates some value here with this horse. And what's like, literally an underwhelming field in my mind. I, I didn't think this was the, the best bunch of turf sprinters I've seen. So that explains why. And then the horse that you used third, uh, I use Manuel. We can get to him in a second, but you use the five Angustin, a horse that has had one race since August of 2019. And it was June, 2021, but he didn't really have much rust there. Mike, he went gate to wire and won a, a pretty salty allowance, turf allowance at uh, Churchill Downs. So I think the only chance he has of winning is if he goes gate to wire. But of all the speed horses, I think he has the best chance to do that. Well, that's kind of why I ended up using this horse. And don't throw shade at him. He's undefeated since August 25th of 2019. Undefeated since August 25th of 2019. <laughs> uh, look, it's the same connections that he had back that day. Mitch Morrill comes back to right here. The plan is going to be to go to the front and try and get the job done. The fact that we've seen him do it after this type of layoff makes me... Say, okay, I'll give you a chance here. It's Agonston and Sign of War that are going to go to the front. I think the five has more speed. I think the five can hold the rail. I think the five has a better shot of stretching out toward the end. And there really isn't a ton of other speed in here to, to challenge these two. So I think I think the five is better than the six, and that's why the five is the third and final horse on my ticket here. All good reasons I didn't end up using because I, I just didn't see a scenario. Now, things could change with scratches or, or especially if this comes off the turf, but uh, I just couldn't trust that that horse was going to go gate to wire, but has done it before against uh, I get comparable, possibly comparable company at Churchill Downing. And that was a pretty tough race. Uh, I did use Manny Watt, won this race in 2021 and what was his actual turf debut. Then he was second over the same course and distance in his second turf try. Then he returned to the turf last August, missed by winning by just a nose. It's a horse that he's inconsistent at times, but he also, he won the grade two Phoenix at Keeneland. It qualified him for the Breeders' Cup Sprint last year. He had a pretty decent fourth. Now he's back on turf where his best buyers have been. And it, I, this was kind of a, a, a safety play for me because initially I was just one four with the two Al Stahl horses. And I was like, man, he's so bad off of the layoff like this. If neither one of them is ready, I'm going to really kick myself for not using uh, Manny Wine here. So I went one, two, four. You went one, four, five. Uh, the also eligibles, real quick, if you had to use one of the also eligibles, who would you take? Well, if the nine draws in, then there's kind of that, then, then my reasoning on the five becomes a lot weaker because the nine is probably the speed of the speed if, uh, if, if, he, if he draws in. So I would probably flip my five to the nine and just say, hey, I'm going to try and see if, if my, my pal Maddie is able to go gate to wire again, done it the last two efforts at Remington Park. Um, 
the ten's a little interesting to me, but we don't have much turf to show. I mean, we are one for two at the distance, but the number is significantly weaker than what you'd have to do. Did win at five and a half over this track, um, but that was where we broke the maiden. Uh, to me, that's wild too. Broke the maiden at six and has a pretty good, pretty good six-year-old season here. Um, you know, or I'm sorry, broke the maiden at five and had a pretty good five-year-old season. Right. It'll depend who's out, but I'm most likely using both the nine and the ten. Yeah, I think surveillance is who I take. Again, if this could go off the uh, off the turf and then things get completely different, but that's why you should follow us on Twitter just to make sure you get our up-to-date tickets if things do uh, go completely off. Let's move on, Mike. The third leg of the late pick five at Fairgrounds Saturday, January 21st, race 12, the Silver Bullet Day Stakes. I don't understand how this isn't graded yet. Some of the graded races that they have, this one isn't, but it's seven three-old fillies going a mile and 70 yards on the dirt. Kentucky Oaks prep race worth 20 points to the winner there's a pair of coxes in here that look pretty beefy. Who are you taking? I went back and forth on Chop Chop, which is really where this race starts, right? I mean, if Chop Chop runs back to either of the two efforts before the Breeders' Cup effort, she could be real tough here. And, and we all liked Chop Chop there in the Alcibiades. Thought she had a shot in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. She just didn't run a step that day as the favorite. That was so bad, I'm willing to forgive it a lot easier because it was just terrible. Um, so I, I have Chop Chop on top here, but it's a lukewarm on top. And what, again, is another wide open race in my mind. I, you could make a case for pretty much every one of these, except maybe Cotton Candy Annie, who's 20 to 1 on the. It's crazy to me that uh, that with uh, with Chop Chop, you're getting like she was the 2 to 1 favorite in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. Like people forget that about her. And it was uh, <laughs> everybody's getting the Cox jokes. Uh, she's going to eight to five favorite here. It sounded like to me that Brad Cox was actually uh, really kind of upset at Joel Rosario for that ride in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. And the the comments he was making was that, well, it's, it's hard to win at Keeneland going two turns if you don't put yourself in a position to win at the top of the stretch. Uh we're not getting that. We're getting Florent Giroux aboard. It's interesting, too. Giroux rode the other Cox in here, the four, the alleys look. Uh, all four of her career starts. You know, Giroux ends up over here. It's why I use both of them. I actually wanted to single the four. Uh, but, yeah, there he is. Mike's, Mike's back now. <laughs> I was just keeping going, buddy. There you are. <laughs> uh, welcome back. That's all right. I, I thought it was me at first, and then I kept seeing the chats, and it definitely wasn't me. That's okay. Uh, the four alleys look is my top pick. I did use Chop Chop because I'm a little worried that Florent Giroux is now jumping off the four after four straight starts. But, I also didn't have any questions about the four in terms of being informed, being ready for it. Each of her buyers has been looking nice. Um, she, you know, Cox seems like she he wanted to make her a two-turn filly from the start, debuting her at seven furlongs. Breaks her maiden over this course and distance very handily. Uh, was even money favorite that day, so you'd expect it. But then you see in the untappable, she kind of had a wide trip. She was back really far early, back farther than uh, she usually likes to be. If you look at her two previous races. Still rallied up to get second behind Pretty Mischievous, who's a very strong filly in her own right. So I'm going to – to me, I think it's actually a jockey upgrade to Luis Saez. I know Giroux is jumping off, but uh, I love the name Luis Saez as a replacement here. I did eat the chalk, though, 4-5 for me. Yeah, I, I didn't like the four. Um, I kind of decided I was going to play against the four when I went through this the first time. And for me, it was whether or not I single the five or I include one other. The other one that I like was the seven force chimes. Who's going to make the ticket – I don't love using Barkley and Lannery here, but Lannery, or Barkley specifically is uh, 24% when he's won the last start in 21 efforts. So good numbers coming back. I like the fact that we're aggressive with this horse and putting her right into stakes company. 
the time wasn't wonderful, and that's my main concern there. But the race actually looked pretty good. And then when you saw her drawing away in the stretch, she looked like she had a pretty good head on her shoulders for this young, early in the career. Tactical speed with a horse that can clearly run with a win over this track. I, I'm willing to take a shot here at the up and comer, the seven forest chimes, the second one I want to use. An interesting one. Uh... Boy, it's just like just it was a few weeks ago that she it'll be three weeks since she broke her maiden on debut and then jumps up here. She was 13 to one that day uh, because it was only three weeks ago. None of those fillies have run back, so we can't really compare. Uh, but, you know, another horse that's going to be coming from off the pace that, you know, you're going to be looking for a chop chop and a forest chimes to be coming late. For me, the alley's look as long as she doesn't break poorly. I think that she'll be a, running a stalking trip. Um the three, hey, you never know, was an interesting one. Didn't end up using, but I think presents a, a very interesting case from a pace perspective. Do you see her having a chance to wire? Do you think the six throws things off, possibly the one? How do you see the pace playing out? I think the one probably makes the lead here, um, I, I, mainly because I think Nora G doesn't have much of another option. She's coming out of sprints where she was for, forwardly placed. It uh, hasn't gone longer than six furlongs. Ran basically 22, 23 seconds in each one of those opening quarter miles. And with that rail position, I just don't see them wanting her being catching kickback, trying to go two turns for the first time. And so I would protect the rail here if I was Deshaun Parker. He's generally a pretty aggressive jockey. So I would think the one is going to be sending from the inside. The three is interesting if, you, if, if she gets loose. And that's the real question here is, is if the pace does play out where the three is able to just go, then you could make an argument that three's got a shot at wiring this field. And that's, that's kind of why I said, like, this is one of those spots where you could tell me like anyone, but the two, and I wouldn't try and talk you off the horse. I mean, there's, there's some question marks around chop, chop, the one, three and six all have speed. The four, five and seven are probably the best horses, but will they be able to close? And this is also a race where, you know, we mentioned there's 14 races on this card. This is race number what? 12 on that card. Fairgrounds has a tendency to play towards speed sometimes in two-turn races. I would keep an eye to see, hey, uh, is this is is this a speed-favoring day? And if the track is playing towards speed, all of a sudden, I think you have to look at the one and the three specifically a little bit more in this spot. Maybe include one of those two that you think is going to make the lead onto your ticket here um, and figure out where you can kind of cut some horses because we'll have enough information on the track by this point, at least by the start of this pick five, to be able to decide whether or not Having a lesser horse who has a pace edge is worth adding to your ticket. Uh, Amber Cascade, the sixth horse. That's Aaron's top pick in the chat, he says. But uh, by Free Drop Billy, I forgot Free Drop Billy was a sire. So uh, $5,000 stud fee, maybe that's partly why I forgot about him. Uh, but <laughs> interesting to note that uh, she and Forrest Chimes both broke their maidens on the same card at Fairgrounds. And Amber Cascade uh, was a tenth faster in her run. Um much lower buyer, though. 65 buyer for Amber Cascade. The 7 Forest Chimes is 78. Eh, I can't explain that. That's There's a lot of intricacies that go into crafting speed figures. People are a lot smarter than me that make them. I can't explain that one. Yeah, that's interesting, too, because the 6 furlongs time was slower for Amber Cascade. She went 114 and 2 for 6, where Forest Chimes made the lead at uh, well made the lead into the stretch but they went 113 and 4 my guess is forest chimes ran the last part of that race significantly faster coming from off the pace and that's why you see the better buyer number um but yeah it, it we'll see i i wouldn't make it like again sherry devoe respect the hell out of her as a trainer she's putting this horse in here she probably fits and as you said the time is the same as the seven so i i wouldn't wouldn't try and talk anyone off the six if that's who you liked here 
her husband, David Engordo, is uh, co-owner with Maggie Moss, who's very prominent in the Louisiana uh, horse racing scene. Uh, David Engordo, one of the better bloodstock agents, in my opinion, in the game right now. So it's always, to me, it's always especially interesting when you see that DeVoe's got one from her husband that co-owns, and it's one that he probably had a hand in buying. So uh, you know, let us know who you think is going to win the silver. What are you say? One thing I don't love about that six, maiden special weight, then drop to 50K maiden claimer. I mean, if, if it's part, if the husband owns part of it and you're dropping down to 50, that, that kind of tells you you're not that worried about losing the horse, which scares me a little bit when you're jumping up to, to a not graded company, but a Kentucky Oaks race two races later. Should be graded company. Uh, maybe because it's a free drop Billy horse. Why all the shade on free drop Billy? I don't know. Because it was a Dale Roman's horse. That's why. Penultimate leg of the late pick five at Fairgrounds on Saturday, January 21st. Race 13, the grade three Louisiana stakes, nine older males going to mile on the 16th on the dirt. Last time out, like six of these horses ran against each other. They made up the top seven in the tenacious stakes over the same course and distance back in uh, December 26th. It includes the winner, Happy American. Now, you win a stakes race by three lengths. Your reward is now you show up as first time gelding. Tough game. <laughs> Tough game, man. That's that's brutal. Congratulations, chop, chop. Uh <laughs> Not overly interested in Happy American here. Um, I, I went back and forth, but I, I just I couldn't get myself to use it. I'm using uh, who was the favorite in that race, Fuerza de Oro. Um, but I, I didn't want to use Happy American, who I thought just got a great trip that day, was able to clear and run on. Uh, for my top pick, though, I went with a two-run classic here. I don't see a ton of early speed in this spot. Um, and, and if the two gets loose... The two becomes very dangerous. Both Zozos and Fuerza de Ora have speed, but neither of them want the lead. Whereas Run Classic wants the lead and wants to go. You're breaking from the two post. I think Run Classic could get loose here. We already talked about Fairgrounds having those days where it favors speed. If it's one of those days and Run Classic is out there, it's going to be very hard to catch the two here. So I put the two Run Classic on top. Uh, I, I did have the seven. Fuerza de Ora was the other must use here in this spot for me. That last race just... just it left a little bit desired. It was first off a pretty decent layoff. And I expect that Brad Cox is going to move this horse forward second off the layoff. It was also the favorite in that race uh, and that ended up running third behind Happy American and Mr. Wireless. So I'll give Fuerza de Oro another shot here sitting on the board at 9-2. Uh, you know, I went too deep and you used both of the horses, including Fuerza de Oro. Uh, the two-run classic was the one that I kind of left off. And if the, if you know, if, if I, one of these two Cox horses, Zozo Sephora's Adiro scratches, I'll definitely use the two. I think you brought up a great point about the speed. Uh, Forza Adiro, second off the bench, second time for Brad Cox. He was previously with Bill Mott for a long time. He's a grade three winner going a mile and an eighth. So you know that he should be able to handle the distance. So he's two for four at the distance. And the one time he was off the board uh, was the Island Stakes. And it was with the Jerry Hollendorfer. He's at Monmouth Park. Lots of just, just lots of issues, just completely. There was also, what, 10 months, almost 11 months off. Uh, for his return there I thought the tenacious was good but I think it definitely looked like he needed one and there's a note in DRF here that says the track was favoring closers pretty heavily so the fact that he was stalking had the lead and then happy American and Mr. Wireless came rushing by him from way 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 off the pace uh, especially for the winner happy American I think we got a better setup here I did put those eight Zozos on top uh, if you scratch off the Kentucky Derby from last year which scratch it off anyway but especially when it's the one that rich strike won uh, this horse to me, I think, is, is almost a single here. Uh, super impressive winner last month against optional claimers over the same course and distance. We hadn't seen him since the Kentucky Derby, and there was a, a seven-month uh, gap there for him. 
Landry's going to ride back. Landry was aboard for that optional claimer win. Uh, but otherwise, if you look at his his stats, I mean, he has a, another win and, and won it on debut at Fairgrounds, was a good second to epicenter in Louisiana Derby. And between that, he went to Oakland Park and just beat the shit out of a bunch of uh, a decent allowance horses that were three years old. So I think Zodos is, is pretty strong here. Um, it's interesting. I'm using too, I'm going too deep and I'm using Spitestown horse going two turns and a son of Spitestown horse going two turns. Uh, what did you like about the eight Zozos that I didn't mention? I'm really interested to see what Zozos does coming back here. I, I agree with you. Like, if I bet if they ran this race at the end of the year, Zozos is a heavy favorite in this spot. I, I think that you're going to see this horse progress well. I was interested in Zozos in that derby until you draw the 19 post and then end up running third in that, like behind that scorching opening half mile. So the Kentucky Derby completely a draw the line through for every horse, but Zozos especially ran second at epicenter here. That was an impressive performance. Uh, Zozos is probably one of those where I'm, I'm, willing to take a little bit more of a shot once we're deeper into the season and Corey Lannery's not on. Um, but <laughs> I, I do think Zozo turns out to be a very good older male this year, and this is going to be a good stepping stone. But I'm not confident enough to single right here out of the gate, and I, I have a feeling Zozos is going to be bet pretty heavily, and that's why I didn't have this horse in that must-use category because I, I I bet Zozos is like 7-5 to five here, somewhere in that range. Yeah, it feels like three to one might be a little bit of a pipe dream on him. <laughs> I mean, I'll take if, hey, if you can fix odds on him, go for it uh, and take it. We're both against. Um, let's see. Brett Calhoun's got three horses in here. It might be two. Gentle Soul, the four horse is cross centered in the turf race, but he's an also eligible. So he needs somebody to scratch out of that to run. That's why he shows up here. I think this is kind of like, well, in case the turf race, we can't get in. We want to run him. And so they showed up here. So definitely not interested neither of us using mr wireless was there any particular reason i just didn't think the pace setup was going to favor closures like it would in the tenacious stakes yeah i mean if you i just don't think mr wireless is good enough to beat this group i mean if you look at who mr wireless has beaten these these fields are just not quite enough i also still hate mr wireless for running second at lone star back in 2021 um but I think he needs to take a step forward. This would be the toughest field he's ever beaten. Uh, if you look at like, you know, even that optional 150 K allowance two back where he won, hear me sing South Bend. This field seems better than that, you know, beat helium. Okay. That's great. Like it, it just, there isn't that, that horse on this page that he's beaten, especially when you're sitting in the board at five to one real quick. Did you think about using intrepid heart at all? The three horse, this is one where I, if I was playing a try or a super, I would definitely include the three. But I'm Intrepid not sure Heart I can put this horse on top with how many seconds he's run. That's the thing. Intrepid Heart feels like the one horse that's going to really just screw me out of. <laughs> like if, if I lose this pick five sequence, I think it's kind of Intrepid Heart uh, gets the job done. Luis Saez hopping aboard is interesting. And you look at, you know, he's had some pretty good jockeys aboard. Gaff Leon, uh, the three times the horse was a head, nose, or half length away from winning just since back to June. Gaff Leon was aboard. Gaff Leon Saez were duking it out at Keeneland uh, last year. So, very strong jockeys, both of them. Boy, yeah. I. What is he? He beats starter allowance horses. Like, that was the last win he had. And then you've got to go back to a claiming race. He's just, uh, it's that horse yeah. that just loves to burn money. Well, in a lot of good efforts against good horses, just nothing that that's able to get the job done. I mean, 2022, nine races, one win, seven seconds. I mean, great horse to own, not a great horse to bet on top. Yeah, great. I think it was like a $25,000 claim. Great claim there um, for a long time ago. But uh, 
Yeah, you're right. It, it's frustrating. You definitely don't get dressed up to uh, go to the track that day thinking you're getting your picture taken with your, the owners there, but that's okay. You know, he's keeping the lights on for a lot of those. He's buying a lot of uh, uh, questionable hayseed for uh, the Joe Sharp barn. Their last leg of the late pick five at Fairgrounds on Saturday, January 21st. Race 14, the grade three Lecompte Stakes. Eight three-year-old Colts going a mile and the 16th on the dirt. 20 Kentucky Derby points to the winner. And to this point, Mike and I have been pretty much in agreement mostly with how we've seen the races, we kind of sped through those ones because we are completely in different directions here. Uh, I'll hand it over to you. Who's your top pick? Yeah, I mean, we, we're using five of the eight, and none of, and that doesn't include Echo again, who neither of us are using. Um, <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> so uh, there's we're that. in the winner's we'll, circle. We'll have to talk about Echo again at some point here. Look, I put instant coffee on top. Um, let me caveat by saying this is a terrible running of the Lecomps. I, I don't like instant coffee is the only horse out of this entire field that I think has a shot at making the Kentucky Derby gate. I know there's going to be some tap of conquest love, but unless a horse like Bromley takes a big time step up, uh, instant coffee is the only one in here that could that could actually do it. I, I did a, a video for Racing Dude's uh, YouTube page over there, four horses at big prices in the Derby future pool that I think are a little bit interesting. I showed fixed odds from Bovada for that. Instant Coffee sitting at 66 to 1 on that board. You go back and you watch Instant Coffee's last race. And this is a, this is interesting because I remember we covered that race on this show, and I didn't love Instant Coffee out of that uh, Kentucky Jockey Club race. Go back and watch it. We're four or five wide on both turns. It was just a, a awful trip for instant coffee. Had to grind the whole time. Size did have to start asking a little bit earlier than you'd like, but stretched out in front of that wall of five horses that was right behind there. Curly Jack was included in that mix. Uh, so you have some pretty good horses that ran behind instant coffee in that race. I think we get a better trip today. I think you get speed to run into. I think Instant Coffee is by far the best horse coming from off the pace. I think there's quite a bit of pace. I would expect Instant Coffee to get the job done on Saturday. So I'm, I, as much as I don't, I actually don't even mind the five to two price. If if, if Instant Coffee goes on five, if off at five to two in this spot, I think that's pretty fair. I mean, you look at the other horses in here, like two fills is four to one. Well, two fills is not even going to sniff the Derby gate. Okay, so if 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 you think Instant Coffee has a shot at making the Derby. Five to two is a pretty fair price here, and what I think is a weaker running of Lacombe. I forgot to mention it earlier in the uh, when we were talking about Silver Bullet Day. So Brad Cox, Transinstant Coffee, has got two horses entered in here: uh, Florent Giroux and Brad Cox at Fairgrounds, forty-three percent winners, two sixty ROI. That's really great. Brad Cox and Luis Sias together just anywhere, forty-seven percent, three fifty-five ROI. Uh, they haven't teamed up at Fairgrounds yet, but I feel like this is going to be a big day for them. I didn't use the seven. I will add the seven if because I used Tappet's Conquest. If Tappet's Conquest ends up scratching and runs in that allowance, which is race nine, then I'm going to use the seven in here. A big concern for me, and I know he had a wide trip. Um, he had a lot of work he had to do there and, and really grind it out. Number one, I'm a little concerned that he might not be fast enough to catch the top group in here. If you look back at the Breeders' Futurity, uh, th that race was much quicker going two turns. And he wasn't really anywhere close. Granted, that's Forte and Loggins, so you've got great horses that were in there. Uh, but but a, but a much but but a much faster race uh, than what is you know Forte came from off the pace and was able to get the job done. No problem there. Forte's you know he's okay, I guess. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, 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 slightly I'm, I'm better kidding. than this field. <laughs> Breeders' Cup two year old champion. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting in that that Breeders' sorry the Kentucky Jockey Club was the feature event on Stars of Tomorrow two card. 
But by the way, everybody does it uh, in the chat, does a drinking game uh, whenever we talk about Cox winners or I say penultimate. When I start mentioning Stars of Tomorrow 2 card, I feel like that should be another one, uh, another part of the drinking game. There was you a horse in this, in this race. There is a horse who ran that same distance a second and a half faster than Instant Coffee completed the Kentucky Jockey Club. And that's my top pick, the number four confidence game at eight to one. I love this horse in this position. I've been waiting a long time for him to come back. First of all, barely gets the job done against our boy Rocket Can, who we have, we really love looking forward uh, for the Kentucky Derby Trail for Bill Mott. But the race was a second and a half faster. Uh, Keith Disformo and Jimmy Graham, they teamed up to win this race last year and beat Epicenter Damio Rosario for not paying attention to who the horses around you. But at Fairgrounds, a 33% win rate, 558 ROI. So it's not just that they hit once in a while at a big price. They're continuously hitting at big prices. Uh, to me, this horse is, is perfectly in form, is, faced some pretty strong horses, um, was in the Iroquois Stakes, and just had a really tough wide trip. I don't see him having that issue here again. He's shown that he can pass horses. Uh, the, the race two back at Keeneland, uh, he was able to you know finish second to Forbidden Secret um, after coming from way off the pace. That buyer, the 83, I'm not playing him off of that. I'm playing him off of what I see, what he was able to do before. So I think he's tactical. And those connections on this day, big days, Louisiana, look out for DeSormo and Graham, man. So what do you, what trip do you think confidence game gets? Boy, that's the question, isn't it? Because you got the three inside that might want to go. You've got the one inside that's definitely going. I think he's probably going to sit fourth, third or fourth going into the first turn there. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned – you me okay, so – the Kentucky Jockey Club, you got to go back and watch the replay because it's not just you, but in general, just for anyone listening to this, make sure you go back and watch that race. It was a really funky race because they went slow up front, right? They went 51-15. Um, and then they went really fast to finish the race to get to that 145, which isn't a great time. But th that's a pretty good time considering you went so slow early. Uh, the speed backed up, which caused a lot of problems for a lot of horses. And I bet if we talk ground covered, I bet instant coffee covered like wildly more ground than confidence game did that day. These confidence game was on the rail both times, basically went gate to wire in that spot. Instant coffee's four wide, four wide and closed faster than confidence game did even with that trip. Now you're right. The time is dead faster. So you got to look at that and say, okay, well, how am I going to play it there? The trip here is my issue with confidence game. I think echo again goes and ruins this race for multiple horses because I don't think echo again can get the distance which is wild because you would think a gun runner could based on the pedigree, but man, those last two efforts tell me echo again is better at, at one turn than he is too. Um, and it really makes it tough for horses like confidence game, who I think run their best up front, which you see a lot of these younger horses do. He's going to be chasing and he's going to be, have better horses chasing after him. And that's kind of why I ended up not using confidence game. The buyer does scare me a little bit, which is silly, which is strange because you should like bigger buyers. That came out of nowhere from a buyer perspective, though. I mean, this horse hadn't sniffed the 80s, and then all of a sudden pops that 84 last time out. That's generally not a horse I want to bet back. Um, now, if you do get that 8 to 1, 10 to 1 price somewhere in that range, I think you can make a much better case. It'll be interesting to see what confidence game goes off at here. The other horse I used was the horse that I was most confused by, and that's the three horse Broomley. Uh, Mastery. <laughs> Stands for $7,500. This horse sold for $450,000. Now it's an OXO equine. They tend to overpay for horses. So we'll, we'll definitely put a grain of salt on that. But $7,500 up to four fifty dollars is still pretty crazy. And when you look at Mastery's stats, he's actually not very good on synthetic. <laughs> and that's where this horse was able to break the maiden. 
Sprinter route, exact same percentages on both synthetic and dirt. So I don't have any issue with stretching out with Mastery here. We know this horse is able to close. Paulo Lobo can get horses to win like this. I think it's going to be really interesting whether or not both the three and the six are in here. If the six comes out, I like the three even more. Um, we'll see if Lobo ends up sending two here from the same ownership group. Um, if I would expect you and you see the four, the three here, three stay in and the six come out because of the way that the six won, basically sitting up front going gate to wire, the three was able to come from off the pace. I think you're going to see the three stay in. And if the three does stay in and the six comes out, I'm pretty interested in Bormley here as the, the kind of the unknown of this group that could get the job done. So I'm going to just go seven, three here to get through this final leg. And I would bet the opposite because they actually supplemented Itzos to this field, um, the six horse, whereas the three Bromley wasn't. I think they run both of them. Um, I also feel like this is kind of a toss-up. They're like, hey, let's see if Look they at the can chat. get it done. What? Oh, really? Okay. There you go. Wow. All right. They supplemented him, and then they're scratching. Jesus. Larry Best, an OXO equine owner, he's got more money than – he really should ever have. Uh, first of all, the fact that you paid uh, what 1.4 million for Itzos—that's because the, the horse is a half to Rachel Alexandra. Uh, Bromley for 450 thousand dollars because the dam is a half to Zenyatta. So that Larry Best overpays like a mother for some of his horses here that rarely ever pan out there. Well, um, someone else must have bid 1.35 million, or else it wouldn't have gone for 1.4. To be fair, yeah, it was probably Amro Zidan, another person that's got way too much money that they should have. Um, the three, the, you know what? The three's probably got the better chance here uh, than the six to try and get the job done. The six is actually, there he is. He's, he's entered in, he's going to race in race six at Turfway Park on Saturday, which actually I think is a stakes race. Where's my list for that? There is a stakes race at Turfway Park. Yeah, the Leonidas stakes. So he's going to be going, that's going to be a local prep at Turfway Park for the Jeff Ruby stakes and whatever the hell else uh, prep races they have there at Turfway Park. So that's an interesting move there. Um, boy, the three Bromley, he's got... He's got he showed the good tactical speed. I just don't trust this horse stretching out and beating this kind of group. If he does stretch out and win, this is the kind of race that he does it, but I'm not gonna uh use him in this spot. Um, my other pick, I talked about Tapas. We'll get to Tapas Conquest in a second. I'll go all the way outside. Number eight, two fills. Uh steadily improving buyers at age two. He's making his three-year-old debut. It uh, culminated in winning the street sense, a grade three race at Churchill in the slop uh we've had rob here in the chat telling us there's supposed to be an 80 percent chance of rain uh on saturday and i think it'll be full-on raining by the time that this race uh takes off this horse won by as his trainer put it we won by an eighth of a mile in the slop we wouldn't be sad if it ended up raining i wouldn't either i think this horse has got good tactical ability especially with all the speed signed on to sit off a little bit here uh multiple fast works at hawthorne back in december as he was gearing up for his three-year-old debut. And then you see the last two, Rebellia like put the brakes down. I was like, just put him in idle. Just put him in idle. We're ready to go. We just need the race to show up here. He got that local work at fairgrounds, which I always like to see with the horse shipping in. Larry Rebelli off of this kind of a layoff, 40% win rate with a 330 ROI and Loveberry is his top jockey. So uh, I love the eight in here. Um, I will say it also, uh, it, it tipped the cap to Aaron because when he previewed this race, he really talked up to Phil's a lot. Uh, so I really like two fills in this position. You missed one of the uh, best arguments in my mind for, for two fills. He, uh, he beat Hayes strike by five and a quarter lengths. Instant coffee beat Hayes strike by a length and a quarter last time out. So four lengths better than a, a common opponent there. Unfortunately though, that time was atrocious. 
I, I just the one like if you want to take shots at times, one forty-seven and one after going one fourteen and being in the lead is gives you every bit of a chance to take a shot at the time there. So I, I had issues with how fast they went in that race. Um, there's nothing really great behind him there, and there's no real reason they went so slow. This they just slowed down. So <laughs> uh, that made it hard for me to use two fills in this spot, especially a four to one. And I think he probably does take some money, if, if especially if it rains. I think he takes money, um, and so I, I left him off. I did have him next up. So ironically, I mean, I'm talking some shit about your horses. I was seven three eight four in here, so it's not like I don't like the eight or the four at all. But to me, I, I think the seven, and this is where I think we really disagree on this race. I think the seven's by far the best horse in here, and three, in my mind, is the unknown. And if that's the case, then it makes it a lot harder for me to play horses like the eight, the four, the one, uh, or the five, who are going to be most likely the other horses in here. Oh, and Kenny McPeak, um, who are going to be the other horses in here. I just I don't really want to try take any of them against instant coffee with what I've seen from them going two turns. You think McPeak's uh, pissed at um, Brian Hernandez for picking up the mount on the six, and then the six gets scratched, and he's stuck with Corey Landry riding Dennington? No shot against Landry, but McPeak and Landry, 8% with 107 mounts uh, the last year and a half together. Not super strong. Uh, don't really like Dennington, but hey, it's McPeak in a big race. He's probably going to screw somebody out of some money some t- some point on Saturday. Um, the five tap, it's Conquest. If he runs, is going to be my play in here. If he decides to go to the allowance, I'm going to use instant coffee, but... I really loved how he looked visually stretching out from his first start to second. Got a really nice uh, rallying uh, seven furlong second place at Saratoga on debut and then went to Churchill. Had to break from the far outside last of 10. Florent kind of hustled him up to make sure he was pressing the pace, never got out of contention. And I think that's the key. If this horse breaks clean wherever wherever he races, if he breaks clean and is it part of the early pace, I think that being by Tappet out of the horse Greeley Mirror Conquest little miss He's got a ton of potential here uh, to keep it going. But I also understand, like, you know, there is that allowance on paper. You would think that a grade three versus an N2L allowance is going to be an easier spot for him here. Uh, If Tappet's Conquest runs, you decided not to use him? Yes. Yeah. I wouldn't use him in either of those. I actually think the allowance is a tougher race than this one if Instant Coffee wasn't in this race, Um, which is interesting as well. I, I think that allowance is really interesting right before the sequence we're covering. It's got determinedly in there banishings in there our boy tappet shoes is in there who i like quite a bit um so there's there's more interesting horses from a derby perspective in that race in my mind than there are in this race in the lacombe um i wouldn't use tappet conquest in either of them the last race i think you're going to have to repeat that effort and improve to be able to do it i I think echo again is a problem for tappet's conquest here as well i think they're going to go pretty fast up front early here and that's going to set it up for horses that can stalk or come from off the pace and tappet's conquest to me is one of those horses that again wants to be more forwardly placed and the pace might uh, might be an issue for him here uh i know that our friend uh, kevin 711ks in the youtube uh, comments is uh he's been touting tappet's conquest uh, pretty big. He thinks that this is the Derby winner. So uh, you and Kevin in, in full disagreement, Kevin, if you end up catching this uh, later, make sure you just rip Mike apart. In the comments. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I know that Kevin, by the way, uh, uh, big thank you to everybody who's been following everything we do on the YouTube channel, gearing up for the Kentucky Derby. Love seeing the comments, whether or not we agree with you, love seeing the comments and the discord. Uh, you know, we're all about trying to be an entertaining show here on the Magic Mike show. And we appreciate everybody who helps make that part of it. And sometimes Trying to produce an entertaining show while it's live means sometimes I don't get to chance to look at the chat. All right. I got six windows open here. I'm trying to look through everything, uh, but I'm glad. Well, some of you, I won't say who, but you know who you are. So I thank Aaron. Thank Dennis for saying that the six it's is out of here. 
uh, in this race. And we're going to have some serious fantasy league action in that allowance, more so than even in the, in the LeCompte on Saturday. Yeah, let's see. Banishing, Tappet's Conquest, Tappet's Shoes, Determinedly. Four of the six horses there uh, coming out of there, which is going to make it really hard for everybody who loses the Tappet's Shoes to try and tout their horses. I will say the number two banishing for trainer Brendan Walsh had that it's super impressive 90 buyer. I just, I feels like it just feels like this horse is going to bounce. Like who gets a 90 buyer for Brendan Walsh and then comes back from that, from breaking their maiden and is able to repeat it. It doesn't feel like that's something that he's able to, to do that often. It's going to be interesting to see mobster later in the sequence too. I mean, that, that race should tell you something about mobster who we cover right in the next race. I wish they kind of flipped these. So you could see mobster run before you get to see banishing run. Uh, but man, if Banishing puts up a stinker, all of a sudden the eight in the next race is, uh, I don't know if you want too much part of them. I'm looking through the uh, the DRF stats. This is great to do live. I just talked about being an entertaining show and now I'm doing this. Yeah, uh, his horses do okay coming back. Um, just that 90 buyer really kind of scares me. Uh, but hey, let us know what you think while we do this. Uh, Mike and I'll give it our tickets one last time. Appreciate you following us for the late pick five at Fairgrounds on Saturday. January 21st, I'll start off. I'm going to go 238 with 124, with 45, with 78, with 458 for $54, Mr. Sonich. I'm going to play a $54 ticket as well. I'm going 138 with 145, with 57, with 278, with 37, 54 bucks for 50 cents. Uh, like Mike said earlier at the top of the show, 14 races on this card. If you want full coverage of it, go to racingdudes.com. Aaron will have the free picks, uh, available for the win picks if you want those. And then you also have the, uh, premium picks. You can check out for that. Uh, you've got the rocket picks for, you've got the Samo bombs that are going to be going. Mike, you were alive to a really nice pick four score that, uh, I guess it didn't, I, I wasn't able to watch it, but apparently it didn't pan out for you, but you were alive to a really nice score going in that last leg there. Yeah. Yeah. Wrong horse. It's okay. It's it's frustrating sometimes because it, it, you like look back afterward, you're like, oh, I'm an idiot. Like, what what am I doing here? Why why are we not on a different horse? But hey, welcome to horse racing. Uh, it was at least a fun little tournament day today. It's gonna be a fun weekend. If anyone's trying to get any big tournaments this weekend, you've got this the Flocal tournament this weekend over at horsetourneys.com. Uh, $1,600 entry, but you can qualify for as low as $18. Uh, so a lot of fun if you're trying to get in that for Saturday and Sunday. Winner will probably get around 200000 uh, speaking of getting 200,000, Chris Miles says parlay Zozos and instant coffee into the New York football giants and then buy a yacht. Uh, before we get into the football content real quick, uh, car ramrod, is there going to be live content Saturday? Yes. You beat me to the punch car ramrod. We're bringing back racing dudes live. Uh, we'll be covering the late pick three at fairgrounds. So as soon as the Duncan Kenner turf turf, if it's on turf sprint stakes is over, we're going to cover the silver bullet day the Louisiana Stakes, and the LeCompte. Lots of betting information, lots of talk about that. So make sure you join us. Uh, we'll be a shortened field because uh, Mike has uh, some something that he's got going on that's a lot, honestly a lot better than hanging out with Aaron and I. And then the Kansas City Chiefs are playing at some point on Saturday, which means uh, we're not hearing from Jared. So unless unless they win, then we're definitely going to hear from Jared a lot. But you're not going to see him on the show. That's, I, I kind of hope the Chiefs are up like 21 when the show starts. And then it starts to collapse just to, just so that he is on the live show having to realize what's happening and just seeing how that emotionally goes. Uh, Shadi says, most wonderful time of the year. Yeah, we uh, we definitely missed that. We're, be- we're gearing it up for, I know you're not as excited, but the Pegasus. We're getting this uh, started now because we have the Pegasus coming up soon. And literally, I just saw this uh, this morning. Colonel Liam, the two-time defending champion of the Pegasus World Cup turf. Got retired right before the race was coming up. Uh, he hadn't looked good in his prep for it, so it's not too surprising. He's going to go to Ocala Stud uh, and do that one. But, uh, hey, we've got that. Also, 
Michael Olsen says, terrible take. Eagles will win. Let's talk some NFL real quick, Mike, before we get out of here. Who do you like and why? Yeah, Michael is correct. The Eagles are going to win that game. The, the, the storybook season's over for the Giants this weekend. It's just a, a tough matchup for them. The Eagles should be able to run the football all over New York, uh, and that, that's going to spell trouble. And then if they do want to start passing it, they got some pretty good wide receivers over there as well. So I, I think the Eagles take care of business here. I had the line originally – the game originally lined around nine, sitting at seven and a half right now. I really like actually a teaser play. So does the whole world, so that's probably a problem. But you can get the Chiefs down to minus two and a half and the Eagles minus one and a half right now. I don't think you're going to be able to do that later in the week. I'm guessing that the Chiefs line is going to go up to nine or nine and a half by kickoff, which means you can't tease it down to sub a field goal. So uh, I'm interested in playing the Chiefs and the Eagles teaser right now, minus two and a half, minus one and a half, respectively. I think Sunday is really interesting. Uh, You've got an NFC matchup, which is kind of the classic matchup. Really excited to see the, the Niners and the Cowboys jerseys on the field again in the playoffs, because if you had the same childhood that I did. You saw these teams play all the time with Steve Young, and Deion Sanders, all those kind of guys. So excited Terrell Owens to have those those two teams back on the field against each other. Um, man, I, I would love to fire at the, at the Cowboys here. I, I really think this is a great spot for them from a, a just a, a schematics perspective. San Francisco's defense, specifically in the secondary, starting to get a little bit weaker later in the season. But this spot is really tough just from a, a, a travel perspective. So they played on Monday night. San Francisco played Saturday afternoon. So you lose two days of prep in that sense. They went from Tampa Bay to Dallas, flying out to San Francisco. That's a pretty rough travel on a short week. And on top of that, this is going to be their fourth straight road game and their five road game, fifth road game in the last six weeks. So I'm not going to fire on Dallas, but I am going to try and take advantage of that secondary. Dak Prescott's passing is over 250 and a half. That's his passing prop for the game. I think he goes over that. Since week 10, he has uh, only gone under that total twice. One was in a, a drubbing of the Colts. I think they won like 54-19. The other was week 18 of the season. Every other game, he's gone over 250 and a half. So I like the Dak over. Um, and then the other game, the AFC game, there's Bills and the uh, Bengals, which should be a pretty good game with two teams that are actually struggling right now. It's weird to say that for a divisional round, but the Bills – we're ripe for the taking against the Dolphins if the Miami had been able to execute better. Multiple drop passes, multiple bad throws. I think Burrow is able to take advantage of that. The offensive line's weak, though. So I, I went with the over team total 21 and a half for the Bengals. I think they're able to score here. Pretty much any game script, if you like the Bengals, they'll get over 21 and a half. If you think the Bills are going to win, they're probably going to put some points up, which means the Bengals are going to be throwing the football and being aggressive offensively, which also could lead to that over 21 and a half. So uh, that's kind of how I'm I'm attacking the weekend. I will probably end up betting both underdogs on Sunday too. I'll probably have the Bengals and have the Cowboys plus the points. The uh, single of the well, okay. So of the four games, three of them have public money of at least sixty four percent in one way. The Giants lead it sixty six percent of the public money, and that's probably a big thanks to New Jersey having legal sports betting. Uh, everybody trying to, in that town trying to play the Giants. Bengals are 65% of the money right now, um, and the 49ers, 64%. So uh, a little interesting there. The only one where it's split, Jacksonville and Kansas City Chiefs. So I think that means the Chiefs win by by a lot. <laughs> What's interesting, too, because I, I, I would argue the number one week of overreactions is week two from week one. The second biggest overreaction week is wild card weekend into the divisional round. Because you just had six primetime games, essentially. Six standalone games where everybody watched all six of those games. A lot of people haven't watched Jacksonville that much this year. A lot of people haven't watched the Giants that much this year. That was their taste of these teams. If you only watch the Giants against the Vikings, then you're coming back and you're betting this game. Yeah, the Giants 
who looked great against an 11 and three team, right? Like, look, Hey, you know, this is the number three seed in the NFC and Vikings won a bunch of games. Yeah. They weren't that good. And, you know, and this giants team, that was pretty much their best possible effort. Daniel Jones played as well as he could. Now they have to go face a much tougher rested team. I'm not shocked the money is coming out of the giants because of that overreaction. It's kind of why I would tend to lay it with the Eagles in that spot. You just, you see some weird things happen in this divisional round. Hopefully it's as good as last year. I don't know if you remember last year's divisional round. Four games, all decided by one score. You had Brady trying to come back against the Rams. You had that wild Chiefs-Bills game. Uh, it just phenomenal weekend of football. Hopefully we can get close to that. I think Saturday might be a little bit boring, but I think Sunday's going to be a fun one. Uh, if you want some more in-depth takes on this, we had Dudes Who Bet Sports uh, earlier this – actually, earlier today, I apologize. Uh, Aaron and Papa Dude uh, going over the NFL action and then some awesome some college basketball stuff, NBA. You can also catch Dudes Who Bet daily every Wednesday through Sunday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Uh, free picks for horse racing, the NFL, NBA, all that fun stuff. So you know we'll have a ton of NFL coverage coming up. I, I know, Mike, you were doing really great with your NFL bets, especially. Uh, show up also live if you can. Dr. Tang's been giving out some real winners as well in the chat. And right now he's saying he thinks the Cowboys can beat the Niners. Um, you mentioned Tom Brady. Uh, you know, real sad that his, his, his season ended just like his marriage. Not with a bang, but with a whimper. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to knock Tom Brady. He's winning in life. He's, he's, he's doing no, he's doing just fine for himself. Okay. He's 45 dating an Instagram model with a ton of money and the option to come back and play a professional sport. He's doing okay. I don't know. I've met a couple Instagram, not dated, but I've met a couple Instagram models in my life. I think I'd prefer being single, but Hey, that's just me. You do. Well, I, you. I, I bet he's still single. <laughs> I never, uh, been there. I'd, I'd prefer the cliff Kingsbury lifestyle. I'm going to take my money and go just disappear to an Island where you can never find me. And then I get to pick when I want to come back. That's I think that's what I would do. Instead. He could do the Cliff Kingsbury on the next level, though. <clears throat> he could buy the island. Yeah, yeah that's true. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm at Curtis Kellard. He's at Sum of Bomb 18, number one, number eight. Make sure you check out Blinkers Off, which was live earlier today as well. Uh, we'll be back here on Monday to talk about all things Derby and Oaks. And we'll finally have some big updates to talk about. But until then, I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. Good luck. Thanks for watching the most entertaining horse racing show on YouTube. The Magic Mike Show, where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show, tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show, you can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com.